Pahang police are ready to dispatch more personnel for duty at Pulau Tioman and Genting Highlands to ensure SOP compliance when these destinations are reopened to tourists in October. With three, including Malacca, more destinations opening up for the travel bubble. How will authorities enforce a quota system to stop overcrowding at these destinations? I think firstly, a quota system is a great idea because not only limits the number of people at a specific spot, but it also gives assurance to like you and me when we're traveling, just general tourists, then we know this place is being strictly monitored. When I go to this place, I know I'm safe because there will never be more than X number of tourists here. However, mm-hmm. it will only work for tourist spots that are not too large of an area and has a specific entry and exit point. Exit, yes, um, I was going to say yeah, that. If, there's, if it's just like, you know, you can enter from anywhere, then how are you going to police the spot? So, for example, last year, Teluk Jempedak Beach in Pahang's pretty popular beach, they started limiting their number of tourists to just 1,000 at any one time on the weekends. So, mm-hmm. before you enter, there's a specific entry and exit point. You have to take a visitor card and then right. there's like limited number of visitor cards. So that's one way that you can police the number of people at any one spot. All right. Wow. But the thing is, like, okay. um, if they can do that, like Langkawi, you can, I suppose, because it's an island on its own. Tioman, you can. So I, I guess it's a pretty okay idea. I, I'm just concerned about how some people might sneak in here then everywhere, you know? Well, exactly. For like, you know, Malacca and Genting, you know, you can drive and, you know, enter in multiple different points, right? Yes, that's true. So, mm. yeah, there has to be uh, not only those visitor cards, but also a way for local authorities or the local operator of that beach or theme park to mm. make sure that they can ensure that those cards are the genuine ones. Those yeah. visitor cards, those entry cards are the real deal. But, you know, talking about driving, is there still a need for travellers to obtain oh. interstate travel passes from police oh, yeah. if they're going to places outstation, so to speak, like Malacca or Genting? Well, at the moment, no, because private vehicles aren't allowed to do that interstate travelling. Uh, so, for example, we look at Langkawi, the opening up of that island is supposed to be the blueprint for all the other tourist spots. Mm. And uh, tourists are encouraged to take vehicles that's organized by travel agencies or go by flight. So at the moment, private vehicles are not supposed to go on their own. Uh, however, we know this restriction is sooner or later it's going to be lifted because they want to see more movement of tourists to revive the tourism industry. So at that time, uh, there will probably be a need to apply for that interstate travel pass from police because all of the states are still in different phases. So if you're from a phase one, phase two or phase three state, you're not allowed to travel interstate. So an interstate travel pass will then give you that right to move from one green state to another green state in that travel bubble mode. For example, if we were to drive from the Klang Valley up to Langkawi, you're going to have to cross many different states. Correct. Different yes. Yes. So you will need to have that proof to show the authorities if they want to check right. on a private vehicle. Police in Malaysia have issued a warning about fake COVID-19 vaccine certificates as the economy gradually opens up to those vaccinated with prices of these certs going from between 200 ringgit to 1,500. What? Really? It's crazy. Crazy. And with such high demand for these certs, you know, how can resorts, tourist spots and even hotels make sure that these certs are real? It's going to be very tough for any tourism agency or hotel operator or tourist spots to monitor because, you know, there's incoming number of tourists and visitors. It's how do you investigate every single digital cert that is shown to you, digital or physical cert? So it's it's going to be a tough one for the industry to police. And furthermore, if you've, you've seen the digital certs on our MySajatra app, yeah. I, I don't think it's that hard to forge. It's a pretty simple layout. Have you tried to? Why? <laughs> <laughs> what? Not JD. Right. For investigation okay. purposes, I'm yeah, okay, sure okay, that the okay, news right. team has. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, so I mean, you know how things work. Once there's a template, people are going to take it. Syndicates will find a way to make money out of it. So if we want to rely on the hotel operators or the tourist spots to then go and check every single one, make sure it's genuine, you know, you're going to get a very long queue and very angry tourists. Yeah. So I think there, the best way to go about it is legal action. Uh, police have already warned that any activity connected to forging a digital vaccination certificate is a serious offence and it's punishable with a maximum seven-year jail term and also a hundred thousand ringgit fine. So to prove that they're serious, ten people have already been charged in court for falsifying vaccination certs. I like that. Wouldn't wouldn't something as simple as a QR code uh, on the letter be so simple to sort of scan and all the information come out on a particular you know proper site that it, the other information is either there or it isn't? And then I mean that's just a one. Also, step. you want to verify yeah. like, like what comes out on screen. You you can't cross check with the IC or something is it yes yeah so it's just it comes up and then it's there and there's no extra separate steps you know know. somebody listen to Ash's idea that's a good good idea actually Mm. Mm. I mean what are some of the ways right now that can be done to ensure that you know the certificates being shown are validated. So just now you brought up a really good idea, the QR code. I think any way that you use technology will be good because then there's that extra step of verification that you cannot cheat with a fake certificate. Mm. So other than QR code, maybe fingerprint identification could also work. And if it could be incorporated into the MySujatra app, that would be great so that you know we don't have to download multiple apps. But quite a lot of money has already been put into the ecosystem of the whole vaccination program, including the official website, the MySujatra app. So I'm not sure if this proposal is feasible, but you know, have, as I said, just now having an extra layer of verification will be good just to make sure that it's not a fake vaccination set that's allowing people to go to move in and out of crowded places. The Ministry of Education will not stop students who are not vaccinated for COVID-19 from attending school when the face-to-face school sessions begin. You know, so we're stopping tourists who aren't vaccinated from going on holiday within the travel bubble. Why is it different for students who are not vaccinated? Because the rationale behind it is the Education Ministry doesn't want to penalise a child for what is essentially the parent's decision. So they believe that it's every child's right to have access to education. And I mean, I was surprised when I heard about that 12-year-old boy Uh, the Dutch boy who uh, brought his case to court because his father didn't want him to be right, right, yeah, right? right. And then he he wanted to because he wanted right. to be able to visit his grandma who had serious That's illness right. and he didn't want to be infect her. And his he won the case. But yeah, it goes to show that at the moment you need your the parents' approval for vaccination. So sometimes the kids, I mean, if you're younger than twelve, you have to listen to what your parents say. Yeah. So basically, the education ministry wants to stand up for the rights of the kid. Uh, but the ministry has also noted that those uh, parents who have rejected the vaccination for their children will be counselled, which I think that's the best approach because the parents have genuine fears about the safety for their kids taking the yes. vaccine. And maybe yeah. they just haven't had enough information yet about how it works for their children. So mm-hmm. counselling, I think that's the best approach. And, and secondly, the ministry did say that the number of unvaccinated students who will be going back to school is small. Yeah, and they're the ones more at risk than the ones who are vaccinated anyway, in that sort of sense, right? Um, yes. You know, with no confirmed vaccine, they're available for children below the ages of 12, as you mentioned just now. How will this impact schools that are back in session from October the 3rd? Primary schools will definitely be impacted by this. There'll definitely be a need for a lot more stricter enforcement for primary schools. Um, so SOPs in the schools will be the same as what it is everywhere else, wearing your face masks at all time, physical distancing between the desks, and being very 
very cautious about when they restart their physical education and their sports co-curricular activities as well. And also the other danger point is in the canteen because when you're in a canteen, mm. you remove your face mask and eat. So that's important and also practicing good hygiene. But I think overall, you know, we often think of our kids as kind of like hyperactive and hard to control. Feral creatures. I, <laughs> that too. But I think we're going to be surprised that kids, when they're given boundaries, they will toe the line better than adults. Uh, you just got to make the rules really yes. clear and they will surprise us. I was asking my five-year-old niece about that and she was like, yes, we have everything proper. We do things differently now. Just everything on board because this is how it's done. And yes. I was like, wow, if only adults could be as compliant as you. Yeah. Totally agree. Meanwhile, the Dutch kid is going to be grounded for the rest of his life for suing his dad. <laughs> yeah. Permission for interstate travel is expected to be finalized in three weeks' time after the country has hit its target of fully vaccinating 90% of the adult population against COVID-19. Now, 90% of adult vaccinations does not mean 90% of the population. So how appropriate is the decision to open for interstate travel? Yeah, the worry is really for our children who are not vaccinated. Mm-hmm. But anyway, even completing two doses of the vaccination doesn't make you completely invincible to the virus. It's true. Just acts as a good buffer. Mm-hmm. But you know, the government has that unenviable position to balance lives and livelihoods. And in this case, the livelihoods of the tourism operators. So mm. they just have to set a target, and their target is 90% fully vaccinated adult population. So mm. for the safety of tourists, as we've repeated so many times, the SOPs have to be followed. And it should be a requirement for tourists to show a negative COVID-19 test result. And in addition, the responsibility now falls on the tourists to make the wise and mature decisions when they're mm. when they're holidaying and make sure they don't go to crowded places and yeah. such. Especially if they've got kids, right? Um, right? What is the importance of opening up the borders for interstate travel? Well, without it, you won't get the sheer movement of people, the volume needed for the tourism industry to recover. Of course, the best thing for the full recovery is to see uh, our country's borders reopen as well. But for now, the mm. best and safest option is to op- the reopening of uh, our state borders. And uh, to think about it, the tourism industry has really taken a hard hit from the pandemic. The tourism industry and related economic activities lost over 100 billion ringgit. This is since the start of the wow. pandemic last year. Mm. And tourist arrivals fell by over 80% last year. And the Malaysian Association of Hotels say in that same year, the hospitality sector lost over 6 billion ringgit. And these are old figures. So if we look at the figures now, they're probably even worse. So yeah, mm. it, it, is a, it, it is the right thing to do, but always with caution. And again, as the responsibility right. Lies with us. Yeah, but I, I, I'm completely for the op- reopening of uh, interstate uh, borders for travel and everything because we've seen so many hotels shutting down and famous yes. places like Junker mm-hmm. Street just uh, shop after shop after shop. Oh, these shops have been around for 30, 40 years, right? They just closed mm-hmm. up. So I think this needs to happen now because we... Have you gone out recently to just eat and everything? I, I've been going out quite often nowadays. Have? I went to my first ever on Sunday, which was a very oh, the hot pot one, experience. Yeah. <laughs> yes, interesting hot yeah. pot experience. Interesting waitress. I have not been around people hovering. Yeah near me so and then yeah. this was quite disconcerting to, I, to have someone keep popping up correct. and talking to me I'm like oh, you we're know. all trying to get uh, accustomed to that again right so mm. I, but it's something that we have to do I personally yes. think right yeah 
Now, when this article came out, um, I must tell you that my mother had a very strong reaction. What? So on Friday, Bukit Aman Traffic Investigation Enforcement Department director called for Malaysia regulations to be changed so that senior citizens have to undergo some form of screening before getting their driving license renewed. Right, right. Now, you know, some of these seniors are better drivers, more sensible drivers on the road than the rest who are, you know, um, 13 under, for example. Um, And with possibly more important things to sort of discuss within the transport ministry like SOP, safety, interstate travel, better public transport, etc., safe roads. Uh, Why something so insignificant? Well, it could be that the police are facing a number of cases of elderly people driving recklessly and causing accidents. Um, But yes, I do agree with what you said and what your mom feels as well. Same with my parents too. There are many uh, cases where, you know, it's not the elderly that are causing accidents, but just reckless young drivers. And even a transport minister himself said that withdrawing or limiting the a valid driving license just based on age is discriminatory mm-hmm. and um, you know these many of our senior citizens show more competency on the road than those who are much younger so, and also there are some groups uh, some NGOs representing the elderly who say that there's no proof that the elderly are the highest contributors to road accidents in the country anyway and we should be going after substance abusers repeat traffic offenders instead and I'd like to say also the motorcyclists who weave in and out I mean you know, you may be older, maybe your reflex is a little bit more duller, but if you didn't have people being so reckless, they wouldn't have to swerve and accidents be caused. You know, I'm on the side of the OAPs or old age pensioners, we call them. But, you know, what are some of the rules that might be considered for senior drivers if this proceeds further? Well, there are no details yet, but we can look at how other countries have been implementing uh, their rules for senior drivers. So in Japan, drivers aged 71 and above have to renew their license every three years instead of the usual five years. Mm-hmm. And then once you hit 75, five years old, you have to take a cognitive test when you renew the license. And in the UK, it's also pretty similar. Elderly drivers need to reapply for their license at the age of 70 and every three years thereafter instead of the usual 10 years. So still allow on the roads, but just have to take the, the test a bit more frequently. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I got to say, I'm completely in agreement with this uh, thing that uh, once you get to a certain age, you need to constantly be tested because mm. your reflexes are slower. Okay. And I've lived in enough places where there are countries where once you get to a certain age, you have to get tested. But mm-hmm. I think if you're going to take the driver's license away from seniors, you need to have a better public transportation system. You know, how are they going to yes. move around? Or free drivers or it's severely, massively discounted Yeah, system then if you're going to, you if you're going to take like a yes. e-hailing, whatever it is, right? It needs to be subsidized. It needs to be free, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You, you're taking you're, you're taking one thing away, which is a great idea, but you're, you're not uh, putting something Providing, back in for them to, mm-hmm. that will help yes. them move around. Because what are you going to do? Yes. Just let them stay at home? Yeah. yeah, then you're causing another kind of social problem. The amendments to the federal constitution allowing Malaysian mothers the right to confer automatic citizenship on their children born outside of Malaysia should be resolved as quickly as many children born overseas to Malaysian mothers and foreign fathers have been suffering for too long due to gender discrimination. So why is there a delay in amending the federal constitution for a law that's considered outdated? Um, Amendments to laws generally take time and in this particular case the Home Minister says the issue needs to be brought to the young Lee Bituan Agong's attention. He says be, this will be done as soon as possible. Uh, they've already discussed this matter in a cabinet meeting last week where the Attorney General briefed them. But the end game, the Home Minister has assured, is that they want to amend the federal constitution to allow Malaysian mothers the right to confer automatic citizenship to their children born overseas. So 
Why did the government even choose to appeal the High Court decision in the first place? Like, I'm still okay. confused about that. Yeah, it is kind of confusing. We'll recap the KL High Court ruling. Remember earlier this month, it ruled that children born overseas to Malaysian mothers married to foreigners are entitled to be citizens of Malaysia. Good news for yes. all those uh, Malaysian mothers mm-hmm. uh, pending their kids trying to get citizenship. Including uh, my pre- sister. Right. And then previously, the law was only in favour of Malaysian fathers mm-hmm. who are married to foreigners uh, being able to confer their citizenship citizenship rights to their children born overseas. And then at that time, the ju- uh, earlier this month, in the ruling, the judge said that the word father must be read to include mothers. So now the situation is that the Home Minister says the government wants to appeal the decision to so-called buy time so that the federal constitution can be just amended in favour of Malaysian mothers, not just like, you know, reading father as mothers, but just amended to in favour of the Malaysian mothers. Um, so he says for now, the day one right yet is restricted by the federal constitution and laws on citizenship. And the appeal is to ensure that the government does not commit contempt of court or violate the constitution. The minister has, however, assured that the ministry will be consulting the Conference of Rulers over the amendment. They do want to solve this decades-old problem. So it's a massive semantics then? It is. They want to make sure that the federal, they're above law, so to speak. The federal constitution is amended so that it's all clear. Father slash mother or parent. I think they should just put yeah. parent. Wouldn't that just parent. solve the yeah. problem? Yeah, but then as... Um, mentioned before this amendment needs to go through a process right right so it's not that they're cancelling whatever has been people have been fighting for it's just because I'm constantly worried about cancel culture but I think they just want to make it absolutely positively correct and because once it's in the constitution it's going to be in concrete right yeah so not about an interpretation of words but just clear that Malaysian mothers are allowed to confer citizenship to their children born overseas